As we come to God's word, let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's help as we do that. Let us pray together. Our God and Father, we thank you again um, for sending the Lord Jesus to us and for us. We thank you for these words in Matthew 5 that we have of your son Jesus. And as we consider this morning, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us into truth, would change us from within, would leave us with a greater sense of awe of your goodness and mercy and love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's turn to Matthew 5 and let's read the first 12 verses again. Um, I wonder who can do these off by heart by now. Um, It's been good to read this each week. But let's turn to Matthew 5 and we'll read again from verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. With the last beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we say that it was a central beatitude. So the first three Beatitudes flow into it, and the following Beatitudes flow from it. And this morning we have this first Beatitude flowing out of a hunger and thirst for righteousness. That hunger and thirst for righteousness will be displayed in showing mercy to others. The first three Beatitudes were concerning our attitudes before God, realizing our poverty of spirit before God, mourning our sin before God, and meekness in that lack of arrogance as we know our position 
before God. And those attitudes towards God leave us with a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that hunger and thirst for righteousness then is just demonstrated in our attitudes towards others. We are merciful. We are pure. We are peacemaking. We could also link each of the first three Beatitudes to Beatitudes 5, 6 and 7. Um, Those who are poor in spirit will be merciful. Those who mourn their sin will be pure in heart. Those who are meek will be peacemakers. This morning we want to think, what does it mean biblically to be merciful, to show mercy? I think at times we can think that that mercy is, is just the same as grace. It's just another way of describing God's grace. The Apostle Paul does make a distinction between grace and mercy. So, for example, in his letters to Timothy, he writes, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. James Montgomery Boyce, he helpfully explains that grace is loving when love is undeserved, and mercy is love reaching out to help those who are helpless and need salvation. In other words, mercy is grace in action. We see this in Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes mankind as dead because of sin, deserving God's judgment. And we read then in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You see that? When we were dead in sin, completely unlovable, God in his grace loved us, and his gracious love moved him to act in mercy. God literally moved, came to this earth in Jesus Christ. He showed mercy when he walked this earth, moved towards people to heal them, to feed them, to relieve them in their misery. But of course we see the mercy of God most as Jesus died on the cross, taking our sin upon himself, suffering to relieve us from our misery of sin and suffering and death. That is mercy. That is grace in action. And Jesus is saying here, those who have known and experienced the mercy of God that we have just described, they are the ones who show mercy to others. And that's so important, because Jesus is not saying, if you are merciful enough, you then will receive mercy from God. I mean, if our salvation is dependent upon us being merciful enough, or forgiving enough, or loving enough, or anything else enough, well, none of us stand a chance, do we? 
Remember back to the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. It is those who have nothing to bring to God that are blessed. We don't come to God and say, God, look how merciful I have been. Now, can you please show me mercy? No. We come to God saying, I have nothing to bring to you. I'm completely reliant on your mercy and grace. And because of Jesus Christ, he accepts us and welcomes us into his kingdom. It is those who receive God's mercy, they are the ones who show mercy to others. The mercy we show is evidence, if you like, of God's mercy already in our lives. And the mercy we show is assurance that we will receive mercy from God on that last day when Christ returns to judge. And the reverse is true. Those who do not show mercy is evidence they have not received God's mercy and warning that in the future, as James writes, judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. The blessed and the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who show grace in action. Blessed are those who love the undeserving and act to relieve those in misery. I want to turn for a moment to Matthew 23. And here Jesus pronounces contrasting woes to the Pharisees and scribes. While in Matthew 5 we get a description of those in the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 23 gives us a description of those not in the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew 23 verse 23 we read, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weighty matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now these scribes and Pharisees, these experts in the law of God, they were tithing as was commanded from Leviticus 27 to 30. And no one can fault them for that. It's a good thing. But notice what Jesus says. They have neglected the the weighty matter of the law, that is mercy. It's like Jesus is saying you're, you're focusing on religious ritual, these tiny little details, and on doing that you've actually missed the whole central focus of the law. That's what Jesus is getting at with the expression straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. He's saying your whole focus is wrong. And how that challenge comes to us this morning. How often life in the kingdom becomes about religious ritual. 
We be sure to turn up here at 11 on a Sunday. We sing, we pray, we place our money in the box. And if we're really dedicated, we'll be here also at 8 p.m. on Thursday. How often life in the kingdom can be come about tiny little details of scripture. Perhaps little details about our conduct of worship. Or perhaps another aspect of church life. And it's those things that weigh on our mind and the focus of our mind becomes about these little details. We think about it, we talk about it, we thrash it out and we'll come back and we'll talk about it all again. And in doing that, we have neglected what the really weighty matter is. Showing mercy. To these Pharisees and scribes, They thought that by keeping these particular practices that that they could be right before God, failing to know their own poverty of spirit. They had never known the mercy of God. And so that mercy was not evident in their life. That's why we want to ask us this morning, do you think on the weighty matter of mercy? Even just this past week, has your focus been on how you can move towards others to relieve them from their misery? What what has been weighty on your mind this week? Jesus says, for those in the kingdom, the weighty matter is mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful. For they shall receive mercy. But let's try and think a bit more specifically um, what this mercy looks like. And to do that, I want to refer to two other passages of Scripture. The first is in Luke 10, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke 10, we're told that a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. And the lawyer asked, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or for our purpose this morning, let's say, what must I do to be shown mercy from God? Well, Jesus, he put the question back on the man and asked the man, well, how do you interpret the law? And the man said, love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your minds and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. So the man asked then, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus then proceeds to tell him the the parable of the good Samaritan. A man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, probably a Jew, when he was attacked by robbers and left half dead. Now we're told that a priest and a Levite, the religious people, and those responsible for conducting worship, they saw the man who had been attacked, but when they saw him, they they passed over the road and they walked on. Now I wonder, did they have some thought for this man. Perhaps they did have some pity for him. Perhaps they did acknowledge him in some way. Maybe they even said a prayer for him. I don't know. But anyhow, they they crossed over 
and they walked on. But we're told that in contrast, a Samaritan, one who had every reason not to help the man, one whom the man would never expect help from, the Samaritan had compassion. Very similar word to mercy. Compassion that moves us to action. And the Samaritan, he went over to the attacked man, he bound up his wounds, he brought him to an inn to be taken care of, and he paid for all the expenses. And Jesus asked the lawyer, he said, which of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. You see, those who show mercy are the ones who will receive mercy, are the ones who will receive eternal life. And so the man's question was answered. This parable shows us mercy, grace in action, moving to relieve misery, even when it is undeserved and unexpected. The merciful move towards those around them to relieve Misery. Just this week, I have been trying to gather some information on, on some of the particular needs within central Craigavon, and it's actually quite tricky to do. You can get a lot on, on the Borough Council of Craigavon, and um, you can also get a lot on, on Craigavon, including Lurgan and Portadown, but it's quite tricky to get information on just central Craigavon. But some of the research I was looking at, carried out by, by ABC, does give us, indeed, some food for thought. Looking at, at multiple deprivation, so that's including um, income deprivation, um, employment deprivation, health, disability, living environment, crime, and disorder. So taking those all collectively, the Craigavon area ranks four out of 26 in Northern Ireland, with one being the most deprived with those collective things. And then I was able to see that, that within ABC, Armagh, Ambridge, and Craigavon, there were six to eight smaller areas that were listed um, highlighting specific areas of deprivation. So, for example, looking at, at low-income areas, low-income smaller areas, those living in relative poverty, two of the small areas highlighted, one was Drumgask, which is just a couple of roundabouts away, and the other was Drumgore. Now, if we take... Um, another small area as an example, if you think of Waringstown, Waring, that's just a couple of miles away, Waringstown has around 5% living in relative poverty, whereas Drumgore have almost 40% um, living in relative poverty, almost half. Drumgast that I mentioned has over half living in relative poverty. If we look at crime and disorder again in those smaller areas, 
again, Drumgoer was listed as having some of the highest rates. If you look at trends in, in domestic abuse in the Craigavon area, now you will say these were a couple of years out of date, okay, and I wasn't able to get exactly up-to-date information, but if you look at the trends in domestic abuse, even going back to 2011 and following the years all the way up, it gradually increases, 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 year by year by year. There's a Christmas centre across the road, which many of you will know in Burnside, they simply cannot meet the demand for counselling. Domestic abuse, children's counselling, grief counselling is endless. Just endless. It seems the people around us, they, they just can't get through grief. They can't manage it. They can't move on. Johnny was here on, on Thursday and he, he highlighted for us so helpfully the, the, the issues surrounding addiction, among other issues. And I was actually so glad he was here on Thursday because I felt it gave us a bit of a nudge and I felt it actually really prepared us to think about this beatitude this morning. Now the point I want to make with all this information is very simple. There is need around us. There is need around us. We simply have to step out the front door. And those who are merciful will move to meet those needs. Those who are merciful don't just have a twinge in their heart and say a prayer. Those who are merciful move towards those in need. They make every attempt to relief, misery, and distress. Those, those who are merciful, they, they don't look on those with specific needs and say, well, you've made your bed, so well, you can lie in it. Those who are merciful never say, it's your fault you're in that situation, and well, whatever the consequences come, well, they're, they're yours to take. Those who are merciful don't even try to work out the reasons that that lead people to be in a certain position so that they can somehow try to discern whether people deserve help or not. No, those who are merciful move forward to help and support regardless of the causes or reasons. Why do we act in this way? Why should we act in this way? Because God has shown mercy to us in Christ when we did not deserve it. We all made our own sinful beds. It was our fault that God's judgment was coming to us. But because of his love for us, God chose to act in mercy towards us. Second passage I want to refer to is Matthew 18. And it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. You'll find it in Matthew 18 if you want to to look it up. I'll just check the verses here. It's from verse 20, verse 21. So here Peter had asked Jesus, he said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as 
seven times. Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And Jesus is saying that those in the kingdom of heaven, they keep on forgiving. There's no limit to their forgiveness. And Jesus then goes on to tell a parable to further explain the point. He says there was a king who came to settle accounts with his servants. And there was one that that stood out because he owed the king so much. He owed 10,000 talents. A talent was the largest measure of money. I'm told it was about 20 years wages. And this servant owed 10,000 talents. So the amount we're thinking about was astronomical. And really it was never going to be possible to pay back this sum of money. And so the master ordered for the slave, his wife and children to be sold and for payment to be made. And we read in verse 26, the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now that servant who had just been forgiven, he went out and he came across a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. A denarii was about a day's wages, so it's a significant enough amount. But in comparison to what the first servant owed his master, it was nothing. So what would the servant do to his fellow servants? Well, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? In light of how he has just been forgiven a huge debt, he can do nothing but forgive the fellow servant and, and let him go on his way. But that's not what happens. The servant seizes the fellow servant, begins to choke him and demand that everything is paid. And the fellow servant, like the first, he pleaded for his, his servant to be patient with him, but the servant refused to forgive him and had him put in prison until all the money should be paid. Now hopefully you can see how stark the contrast is. Hopefully you can see how illogical the servant's treatment of his fellow servant was. Well, other servants were watching on. They saw what happened and so they reported back to the master. And we're told then that the master summoned the servant and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. And so Jesus concludes, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, to be merciful is to be forgiving. To forgive others shows that you have known God's forgiveness. It is illogical to know God's forgiveness and not extend forgiveness 
to others. I mean, remember how Jesus taught those in the kingdom to pray. He said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. To be merciful is to be forgiving. Or, or to say it in the negative, to be merciful is to not hold grudges. When people sin against us, we forgive them. We, we forgive the little things. Perhaps a friend cancels a get-together. Perhaps a family member is running late. You're sometimes before even knowing the reason behind these things, we're holding a grudge. The merciful, they're, they're patient to know the reasons. They're understanding with the reasons. And forgiving regardless of what the reasons may be. And we forgive the more significant things. Perhaps disinterest from those we know and love. Perhaps an intentional hurtful comment. Perhaps you've at some point experienced a, a period of bullying. Perhaps you've been in an abusive environment at some time that has left scars that will last perhaps all your life. The merciful forgive. You know, when we are wronged, everything within us, I think, cries out wanting revenge rather than mercy. We want payback rather than forgiveness. But we can't, can we? Because we have known astronomical forgiveness from God when we did not deserve it. Our sin mounted up an astronomical debt before God and yet in mercy God came in Christ to die on the cross paying our debt that we could know forgiveness. Experience will tell us forgiveness is not easy. Those I've been hurt by and I have strived to forgive them. I've spent years striving to forgive. I have strived to move towards them in mercy. And if I'm honest, there are days I feel quite content. I have forgiven them. And there are other days I want to recall hurts and I have to ask myself, have I really forgiven them? And it's then that I have to go back to the cross again and again and realize how I have been forgiven. And I want to encourage you, if that's your experience at times, don't despair. We know with all these Beatitudes that we've looked at, we are not perfected overnight. But if you have a desire and if you have a striving to forgive those who have sinned against you, you can rest this morning. You know God's blessing is upon you. You have truly experienced his forgiveness. So the person who is merciful acts to relieve misery. The person who is merciful always forgives. They're the ones who are blessed. They're the ones who have assurance of God's mercy both now 
and in the future. And those in the kingdom, we act in mercy that those not in the kingdom might be drawn to the much greater mercy of God. One writer says, if we are detached and disinterested in people, they will be detached and disinterested from us. In other words, if we never move towards people in need, if we never act on their behalf, there will be little to attract them to us and in turn to God. But every move towards someone to help their need is in some way an acting out of the gospel. Because the gospel is God moving towards us to help us in our desperate need. And so may God help us to move towards others. Let's pray.